Mighty God, what a wonderful privilege it is to worship him. I need you to turn to 2 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, and uh, we'll be speaking on unmasking the devil and trying to point out some traits that he has and he uses against us. But before I start in, somebody asked me, and I answered them, and I thought maybe some others might wonder, not that it matters much, but they asked me if I wrote my sermons out word for word. And I said, no, I don't. When I preach, I preach by notes. But when I get into lessons, why, I make outlines. Because when you search out and you're setting out and you're going to deal with a subject, it's going to take you probably, oh, maybe five or six hours, which is about a week, why, uh, then you're searching out what other people have to say about it, and uh, then you're getting some revelations from God, and then you're listening and getting experience from everybody else, and you're sitting down and you're writing this out, and you have an outline that you follow. Otherwise than that, you couldn't keep all that, or I can't. I can't keep it all in my little noodle up here. It's just not big enough, and uh, the older I get, sometimes I don't have senior moments. I have senior hours, and so I don't want to be standing up here, and uh, I have a senior moment, and I forget where I'm at or what I'm going to doing, and uh, I don't want to embarrass myself in God. And so I do the next best thing. I just put it down so I know where I'm at, and I know where I'm going, and the devil knows that too, all right? So we've got it all down here. I want to read at the beginning, and we'll be using this scripture almost every night until we've ever uh, time we minister until we finish the lessons, which is somewhere around four, maybe five times, depends on how we get along. But the Apostle Paul had, had some revelations of God, and he wasn't sure whether he was in the body or out of the body, and he was caught up into paradise or the third heaven, heard words that it wasn't really lawful for a man to utter. In other words, he had got some very glorious revelations. And uh, he said, because of that, beginning at the seventh verse, unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the message of Satan, to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. This lets you know that the closer you get to God, the more revelations you have, and the more things God gives you, the more you're going to be buffeted about. And the more you strive to live a better life and a cleaner life, the more the message of Satan given, it's whatever force it might be, whether it comes, and people are really concerned. they got so many ideas on what the message of Satan was, but... As far as I'm concerned, it's just a little demon assigned to you to trouble you, give you all the problems that he possibly can at all, and as Gail said, to just beat up on you, all right? <laughs> to try to sidetrack you from where you're wanting to go and what you're going to do. And the Apostle Paul said, Lord, I asked you three times to get rid of this. And uh, the Lord said, okay, I will. No, he didn't say that at all. He just said, I'm going to leave it there because this is my testing in you, my trial, that my trials I'm going to give to you, and you're going to be buffeted about by this. But he said, there's one thing you need to know, my grace it's sufficient for you. In other words, whatever you need at the time of trouble and trials, I am the supplier of all your needs. We have talked quite a bit, but there's a lot of questions to be asked. Who was the devil? Where did he come from? What is his desires? And so on. So tonight, if we can at all, we want to cover how he got into this to be, how did he get to be the god of this world? And also some of Satan's blunders. He does make them. And then we want to deal with some of Satan's limitations. He does have limitations, and then we want you to understand that there is a state of war that exists. We spoke last, uh, the last time we taught on this that Satan had fallen. He was the best eternal being that God made. God put the best he had in Satan. And as far as 
everybody that I read after, as far as what the Bible says, when we search it out, why, he was a great archangel given charge over some type of life on this earth, whether it was humanity or whether it was angelic forces. Nobody seems to know. Everybody guesses at it. And I suppose if we need to know that, <coughs> the Lord will let us know it. If we don't, we need to realize that this was the best God could do. Of all angelic beings that he made, he made Lucifer, son of the morning, and he made him to create praise for God. And uh, as far as some was concerned, that they say he led a choir of individuals, angelic beings before God, giving honor and praise to God and all of that. And he was perfect in his ways, the Bible says, until iniquity was found in him. In other words, God did not create a devil. The devil fell and made a demonic force himself. And why did God not, after Satan fell and after God cast him out of heaven, why didn't he just lock him up and get it over with? And of course, God plans on using him. He has been using the devil for 7,000 years. And he is doing this, unbeknownst maybe to the devil at times, but he wants the people tried and tested. We did not have an adversary. How would God know whether we loved him or whether we didn't? And so every time that we are gouged and punched around and mutilated, so to speak, in word and in deed and someone like that, it is allowed by God to test our trust in him. And it also is necessary for our perfection, as far as maturity is concerned. Trials and tests, according to the Apostle Paul, will bring a perfect, mature power in your life. And so for 7,000 years, the devil has been doing what God allows him to do, and sometimes what we allow him to do. And unless we get kind of blown up in ourselves, you've got to understand that Satan is overqualified to tempt you. In other words, you don't have a chance in the world. He operates in the spirit realm. He has 7,000 years experience on you, plus the fact that he's been on both sides. He has no unrighteousness, and now he knows evil. And he has the ability to make evil good and good evil. And he does it with such slyness that it's hard for us to detect, unless we're actually understanding it under the inspiration of the Spirit of God, it's hard for us to detect whether it is God, whether it is ourself, or whether it is Satan. We need to realize that in order to be able to mature and grow and rebuke him, we have to have the name of Jesus and we have to know how to use it. We don't just throw it out and say in Jesus' name. There has to be an authority behind us and we have to realize we have this authority to do this. And any time we attempt to do that on our own, then we are a miserable failure. How did the devil then, cast out of heaven, cast out of his first estate, how did he get charged in this world? Well, God had already placed Adam on the face of the earth. He had uh, took the earth out of the chaos that was caused after the battle between the angelic forces, and he was cast out, and evidently our earth, without form and void, was a result of a great catastrophe and a great battle between spirit beings. Now, what we are going to see one of these days with atomic hydrogen power is nothing compared to the power that God had and even the time that Satan had. So you can imagine with a battle like that what that could have done with the earth. And the Bible says, in the beginning was God and, and uh, let us know that uh, in, in the beginning the earth was perfect. There wasn't anything wrong with it until Satan rebelled. And then the earth was without void and darkness is on the face of the deep. And so God comes and breathes. Have you ever wondered why the earth is the only place that mankind can live? Of all the places we've been, there's no place else, and they're looking for a place where there is life, and they said in some of the planets there has been life. What type of life, they don't know, and that is all they get possible. Eons of years before could have been life there, but it is not worthy of life as far as humanity is concerned today. And God came down and recreated this earth, this little planet, out of the millions of planets. This is probably not the largest one, not the smallest either by any means, but he created this earth and put it in a way where humanity, when he created it, humanity could live on it. And you can't live on the moon, you can't have it found any life in other places or in any way that humanity could breathe in those places. And so God looked down and created a place where he could place man. Well, time, one more time to create a place in a, where people could dwell and create individuals that loved him enough to be able to stand the trials and tests. And so he made Adam. And Adam was tested, and Adam knew clearly what was involved. Uh, he was not deceived. According to First Timothy, he said Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in transgression. And without one word, without one, just one single act, Adam joined the rebel gang, which was Satan, who had rebelled and came down. And it was Satan's desire to deceive Eve and also to deceive Adam. What Adam should have done when Eve came and offered him his dinner, he should have said, where'd you get it? <laughs> Eve would have probably said, well, I got it from that tree out there because it was a good tree. And Adam should have said, that it's not ours and I don't want that rotten apple on my plate. I want you to take it back, get it out of the way. Because it doesn't belong to me, but Adam didn't say a word. 
princess died and rose again and ascended into the heaven. In other words, to cross herald the end of his kingdom. In other words, his days were numbered. God still allows him access. He is still busy. He has access to you. Only if God permits him to have it. And if he does, any doubts, things are numbered. He needs to read the scripture. Well, he knows the scripture just probably better than most of us do. And he knows his days and numbers of prophecies. Getting with his faith is almost everywhere. But that doesn't stop him. That's what you need to know. You can come to Christ. You can believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You can take his shed blood. And you can be baptized in his name. And you can receive the Holy Ghost. And that doesn't betray the devil at all. You see, he really knows sometimes that he's not going to destroy you. But if he can just get some of the gifts that you're going to receive here on the earth, some of the good things that is yours on the earth, and some of the rewards that you're going to receive in heaven, whatever he can do to destroy your covenants in God, he is going to do that. You need to understand that there is a carnality of man. So Satan rages. You're going to see that. You're seeing it now. You're going to see it a little farther down the line as it's getting close to the end of his time. He don't have too much time to destroy God's church and God's people or to limit their progress or cause them to cease from maturity. And his fury is going to be greater because we're coming close to the time where he's going to be cast out from the spirit world. God will not even allow him up there to take you Thank God for that man. But when he does that, he's going to come down and he's going to occupy a physical body. And this is going to be called the beast power and he's taking his unseen ability to reach and influence the hearts of man. So he indwells a specified selected body of a world ruler and offers himself to mankind as the true God. The Bible says he was sent to the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Something he's always wanting has been the kingdom of God. Something he's always wanting has been ruler over God. And his reign is going to be brief, of course, terminated by the personal appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ, whom the Lord shall call with his spirit of his mouth, or cast out consumed with the spirit of his mouth, and destroy with the brightness of his coming. So of all the dark things that we have in store for us, all the evil of his mountain, we're coming close to where the powers of hell is going to be seen. You're going to see the devil incarnate in human flesh, and you're going to see his demonic forces also incarnate themselves in human flesh already is. For that matter, already has been, it's going to be worse. Then we had Something that took 5,000 lives, almost 6,000 lives. Now, in Israel, they see things like that every day. Other places, they see things like that every day. But there is a man that prophesies of a great war that's going to destroy a third of the people. I believe that the Bible says that's going to happen. The only way that can happen is through atomic warfare, hydrogen warfare. And I say that, he says, and I totally agree with that, that it's going to come with a battle between the United States and China. Well, this dominates our Congress and House of Representatives. And while we seek to destroy terrorism, our minds are blinded to what China is doing and how she is getting her missiles ready and how when she attacks uh, the little island of... not Panama... Foremost, hmm? Taiwan. I'll get it right. Somebody help me. Yeah, that's a senior moment, okay? I don't know how it wrote down. I can't get to it. But when she attacks that, then we have said that we must going to stand with her. And of course, China is ready for that. And the minute we start to do that, well, then we're going to have not just airplanes hitting towers. We're going to have bombs and missiles hitting cities. It's not going to just take four or five thousand. It's going to take thousands of individual lives. If the church, they talk about the sleeping giant. The sleeping giant is not the United States of America. The sleeping giant, which is China, has already been awakened. But the greatest sleeping giant there is in this world is the church of the living God, and it needs to wake up. Can you say amen? I told my wife, I said, I thought, I'm not getting down on your image, understand me, because it's in a place where I thought. And all of this going on and all the talk about prayer, all the talk about turning to God, you would suppose that perhaps we might have something like they had in World War II, or in World War I, or mothers and fathers, knowing that they had boys that were trying to be part of that, would come and find God and come to the house of God to stand in the street of those individuals. And I look around, the church hasn't gained anybody like me, and uh, people still talk about prayer, but I don't know where they pray at, and even individual Christians find it hard to be in the house of God the way they ought to be in the house of God, preaching the house of God. And so has, has things changed at all? I would just talk to lot. Sure, I don't, I, don't, I don't doubt that people didn't pray. I believe they did. But their prayer is no good without repentance. And the only one that was brave enough, perhaps his timing wasn't good, but the only one that was brave enough to speak out and say what the reason was that we attacked was Jerry Falwell and they climbed all over him until he finally had to apologize. Didn't apologize for what he said, just the timing. And people that ought to be speaking out or not speaking out, and our nation is just under a false sense of security. I prayed and God's going to stop this thing. God is not going to stop it until our nation is on its knees before God. And our nation is not going to get on its knees until the church of the living God gets on its knees and understands where we're at and what we're supposed to be doing. That's not even in my notes. But I feel it with all of my spirit that there is a necessity facing Christian people. And the more we want to get a hold of God, okay, the more of an adversary we have to fight against. Now Paul understood 
when God said my grace is sufficient, Paul understood that he believed his grace was sufficient. In other words, Paul said, I just go ahead and take pleasure in the infirmities. Let him attack, let him do this, let him live the best. I take pleasure in that, because he knew who the victor was. Now, you do have a strong adversary. You do have a strong enemy. Okay, he's not a devil. Okay? You can't fool him as much as you think you fool him. In fact, the business is, he fools you a lot of times, and they you think that God says this is what you're supposed to do, but all the time, it's what he wants you to do, he manipulates it. And God allows him in there to try us to see whose voice is the loudest. Which dog are you feeding the most, the black one or the white one? See, the one you feed the most is going to be the strongest. And for that reason, so many people fall because of carnal nature is the strongest. We have identical nature of God inside, but in spite of all the power he has, he does have limitations. You see, he blundered by executing the Lord Jesus Christ. And so it's safe for that to say that he doesn't have all knowledge. He's not omniscient. You see, Paul mentioned the hidden wisdom, he says this, which none of the princes of this world knew. In other words, they wasn't as knowledgeable as they was. They wasn't as knowledgeable enough to know for had they known it. And there had been a revelation of that, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. For certain Satan knows not the day or the hour of the final revelation of the eternal Jesus Christ. But he has allowed us to get close to that. I'm not telling you a date, but I'm telling you we're in the last hours of the last days. Now most authors also, and I wholeheartedly agree with that, says he's not omnipresent. He can't be in his own place. But yet, in spite of that, imagine one third of the angels from heaven which become his territory, which become demons, which become angels of darkness. Gods are angels of light. And we have a personal God with personal angels of light there with us. Somebody said, well, I got the Holy Ghost, what I need with an angel? Nobody had any more Holy Ghost than Jesus did. And when it comes time to say not my will, but I be done, there had to be an angel dispatched from heaven to stand by his side. So angels are important. Yeah. And you need to recognize God as dispatched one to help you in the time of your trouble. And also you got to realize, as God has dispatched angels of light, so has the enemy dispatched angels of darkness. I'm going to say it again, did you ever wonder why? You can wake up some morning and you're just on top of the world, and an hour or so, 30 minutes later, you're down in the dumps and you're as rough as you can be. What has happened? There is a war going on for your mind. In other words, angels of light come and embrace you, let you know what a wonderful day it is. You woke up to a wonderful day, stick your head outside and listen to the birds sing, listen to the winds of your honey ears, and you can feel the wind as you whisper by your God eyes, that you can see it more than anything else. You've got the power of the Holy Ghost inside of you that lets you know that you can make it. And then all at the same time, here comes angels of darkness, your own personal angel of darkness, who has no say to destroy you if he can, and if he can't, to torment you anyway. And God says, go to it. Remember what he said about Job? Have you considered my servant Job? Mm -hmm. How that he's honest and upright and so on? Well, if he said that about Job, don't you imagine? And I thought that was quite a boost for Job, don't you? Mm -hmm. When he lived such a good life, that God had so much confidence in him that he'd just look and say, why don't you just go try old Job and see what's going to happen? And have you ever wondered if maybe that isn't what happens to us sometimes? Mm -hmm. God has enough confidence in us to understand and know that we're not going to like it. I mean, we're going to swear and we're going to holler and we're going to cry out and we're not going to like it. But God has confidence enough in us to know that the devil is not going to destroy us. So, you see, if he had been omniscient, and if he had been omnipresent, why, then he could have done a lot of things that he can't do, but he has angels, he has ifs, he has demons, and uh, his nose against our bodies sometimes is limited only to the power of suggestion, or maybe sometimes we have disorders or something like that, and then he comes when we give him permission to come into our lives. You say, but I don't give him permission, you'd be surprised. How many times you allow the devil to come right in, you open the door, and you say, come on in now, I've got room for you. So he's not omnipotent, he can't take lives as he wants to, if he did, he'd destroy every one of us, all the children of God he'd destroy. Because destruction is everywhere in the universe, and if he can destroy us, whenever he got me, I think he'd have a strong strong. Now, take a strong back with the believers, it's through the own nature. Only. He don't have any access to you through the divine nature, the only sinless part of you, by the way, that you don't let you have right now. But he has no access to you through the divine nature. Such as seeking God's ways, and finding God's will, and walking after God's will, at all times, he has no access to you, only to trouble you. And God opens the door sometimes, and says, let's see how they're getting along. And we need to realize that God is not going to come running at our beck and call every time the devil takes us on our little head. He's just simply not going to do that. He's going to wait around and just see how you endure that. If you say, get beat up on. Okay, and God allows that. Otherwise, we didn't allow the devil to do that. But that's a testing part of a Christian as to whether we can stand against those or not. And the only access he has is through the old nature. When we receive the divine nature, new nature, we still have the old. I have some teaching on the old man and the new man. The old man and the new man, old heart, new heart, old will and the new will. I make comparison to all of them. That's how we can recognize all of them. And a Christian is always free to choose. You have a choice in any situation. Any given situation, God will not say, no, sir, you are not going to do that. 
his male cleats, his male trials, and deals with us. Now, many times he'd like to deal with us through the word, but we don't know enough of it for him to deal with us through the word. God help me. I'm bringing in the middle now. But it is the truth. Because we don't know enough from God's word to come against the devil with his word. And uh, so, just to touch the will of the believer, any control over a Christian is by permission. Did you hear what I said? You allow him in. You may not believe that you do at the time, but it's an individual surrender to him, and he's limited only as he influences your intellect or your emotion and pressure that he can put on the old nature. In other words, there is a fight between the old nature and the new nature. Now, it does happen like this, but let's just make this an example. It's church time, and you're tired and you're weary, and the devil saw to it that you didn't have a very good day at all, all right? And uh, the old nature says, well, don't you believe that God wants you to take care of this people? <laughs> Dear God. Uh, that he does that. Don't you believe that God would want you to take care of this temple and do the best you can for it and be clean here? And as far as that's concerned, you really need to just lay down and take a real good rest. Well, I have a question. What were you doing all day that made you so tired that you couldn't come to the house of God? You have to answer that. I, I don't. I don't have to answer that. Ask your pastor a little bit later on when I get out of here. And then all at once, because God is good, all at once, the divine nature stands up and says, but you've been in a battle all day. And it hasn't been a good time. And there's going to be some answers for you. At the house of God. Somebody is going to say something through a message, or you're going to be touched through a song, or through a testimony that'll get you through another day without faltering and without falling. Yeah. And so we have a battle there. What are we going to do? Take care of this temple, this body, or are we going to feed the spirit? Which is most important, which is the most life-lasting. So, we have to keep in fact that we are in a battle. We're getting close. To treasure the word of God and remain indifferent to the massive revelations of the devil is foolish. In other words, to not ascribe to him any power at all brazenly speak about him concerning him about what you're going to do to him and you ain't going to do nothing to him other and don't you dare ever 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 approach the devil in any way without using the name of Jesus Christ because that's the only defense you've got and it's the only offense you've got is the name of Jesus Christ so if you're going to deal with him deal with him through the name of Jesus Christ if you're going to uh, get him out of your life deal with him through the name of Jesus Christ and you have the authority in that name because you put on that name in baptism and it belongs to you and if you need any help you have angels your own personal angel that says, I'll do that. So we wrestle not, the Apostle Paul says, against flesh and blood, but against, I want you to see his outline here, against principalities, spirits. See, Satan has to organize his demonic forces. He has a hierarchy. Going at the top, coming down and coming down and coming down. Well, that's what Jesus was talking about, this kind, this power that has this individual like this, this kind only goes out by prayer and fasting. In other words, these demons are so strong, this kind of devil is not going to leave other than through prayer and fasting. Now that's how strong he is. Others may leave by just exhorting the name of Jesus. But he's telling him that particular one, at that stage of whatever he is in, you want to get rid of him, it has to be by prayer and by fasting. We need to realize we have authority to do this. Against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this present world, against spiritual wickedness in high places, we are not dealing with humanity, with flesh and blood. If we were dealing with flesh and blood, we could battle. I mean, if you're in a fight with somebody and you can see him, then you can fight him pretty good. But if you can't see him and you don't know him, and you understand we are mismatched, but yet we are fighting against principalities, against powers, rulers of the darkness of this present world. Everything in this dark, under the auspices of Satan, he lets us know, and Paul says, we're not fighting against flesh and blood. It's more powerful than that. And that's why you can't fight flesh with, with spirit. It never works. It never has worked. That's why you use the Spirit of God inside. Spirit against Spirit is the only way that you're going to advance at the kingdom of God. So who can fail to see this contest? Host of unseen powers arrayed. He's not arrayed against those he already has. He's not interested in them. It's God's people that Satan is interested in. 
And when you're talking about, uh, talking about the, uh, tribulation period and all of that, the devil is not pouring out his wrath upon his own people. He pour out his wrath upon God's people. And that's God's wrath. And God is not going to pour out his wrath upon his people. His wrath is poured out upon the devil's people. So you got to understand there is a difference between God's wrath and Satan's wrath, and that's not my notes any here on Hoshko. Okay. Now, if we ignore the fact that head of this evil army is our personal enemy, we're blinded. It's not accidental, but it's deliberate. The battlefield is in the spiritual realm beyond the pale of flesh. I can point to you where the battle rages, right up here in your mind. Because nothing happens that doesn't get past your mind. If you think God's way, you'll do God's way. If you think flesh's way, you will do flesh's way. If you think Satan's way, you'll do Satan's way. And that's why it has already been said over and over, let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. In other words, his mind was always through the mind of that which indwelt him. A knowledge of how the Holy Ghost works can tell us a great deal about Satan. Now here's a little tidbit you might pick up on. God breathed this in my spirit and I believe it with all my heart and that's why I want to just read it and not comment on it. Satan is a counterfeiter. And we can be sure he is copying the same message and the same methods as the Spirit of God. Okay, to the degree that we understand the workings of the Holy Ghost, to the same degree we can understand the method of the unholy spirit. Why can we do that? Because both are spirit beings, not in a devil mode, both operate in the spirit world, both deal directly with man, and both want the worship of man. Oh, it tickles the devil to death. When you succumb to him, and you're actually, in a sense, whether you realize or not, you're actually, when you're outside of the ark of God, you're actually worshiping him. You actually laid God aside. Now, we're not talking about demonology, that's another subject, but we're talking about a personal devil. Talking about one that is real, not a figment of man's imagination, not some big thing that's red and has horns and a pitchfork and all of that, but he's a very sly individual that can transform himself into whatever he wants, even to an angel of light. He is so cunning at that because he knows righteousness, he's been there. And he is so cunning at that, unless you really know God, the closeness of it, you won't know the difference between that angel of light and God's angel of light. Only the spirit man can know this. And if you're not walking in the spirit, you're not going to know this. Somebody said, but you can't walk in the spirit every day. Well, why not? You ought to be able to. That's what it's placed there for. Amen. We don't. I know that. But we can. See, it's again our choice. Again, I've just noticed that before. There's a hierarchy of beings. I just read that to you. But there is only one devil, just like there's one God. His name is Satan and Lucifer, former Lucifer. But he is the singular enemy of your God. And if he's an enemy of your God, then he's an enemy of you. Now, I don't know if you always like this or not. But when I was growing up, if my dad had enemies, I did too. Amen? Amen. If my brother had enemies, I had enemies too. Amen. If somebody was trying to destroy my dad, then they were trying to destroy me. And I feel like that in the spirit world. He is, our, <coughs> me, he is our enemy right now. Right while we're sitting in church. You see, the devil don't care too much whether you come to church or not. It's what you do after you leave the house of God. You can leave as if you've never heard a word that anybody has ever said. And you never, never took to heart.